And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms of apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to pod 19 of Red Side of the Trent. And it comes in the middle of international break, which is both good and bad from a forest perspective. Bad in the sense that, you know, obviously this is a great team at the minute. We want to keep seeing it play every week, but good in the sense that it's given us a good chance to get some fitness back into injured players, which is always very helpful. We'll come on to that very shortly. It's been a very interesting uh, last few weeks, obviously. So we had the Liverpool FA Cup quarterfinal, which Forrest lost 1-0. And before that, we had a thumping, and very important as well, 3-1 win over playoff chasing QPR under the lights at City Grounds. We'll cover both those in due course. And then we've got a little question for you as well, which we're delighted to the feedback for that. So thank you very much. But uh, we'll start with the Liverpool uh, recap. And you know, first quarterfinals since 1996 big day big night like obviously meant a lot for a club and everyone there atmosphere probably one of the best atmospheres if not the best atmosphere i've seen at a forest game uh you know place was absolutely rocking like regardless of anything on the pitch which is top notch but um reese it could have gone uh very awkward very quickly uh i'll say very quickly after the first 10-15 minutes or so when um a loose jack colback ball was played back to Firmino, who went in one-on-one and forced Ethan Horvath into the save of the round, it's being called now. Um, I mean, we're probably quite grateful that it could have fallen to him out of all the players on the pitch. You'd probably pick him to go through one-on-one. But you know, we certainly the, it, took our chances there with that one. Yeah, I mean, save of the round, I'm not sure I agree with that, but, you know, that's down to... No, to, to me, that was just... Um, Probably typified for me, you know, with the odd bits I do watch come by Liverpool. It was just too cocky for me. You know, a clinical striker, you likes of, you know, Harry Kane and Sergio Aguero in the past in the Premier League, that's in the back of the net and that's 1-0. And to, he even could have squared it to Jota, who could have tapped it in. So, it, it, I mean, when he went through and I seen Jota to his side, I thought, this is, you know, all that's going to come out. He's just going to square it and it's just going to get tapped in. So, it was strange to see him like, Chip, try and chip Horvath, who you know has got to be above six foot anti Horvath. Yeah, it's a bit, it's just very small guy. Yeah, yeah, very strange kind of thing. And that's probably why he only scores a couple of season. Um, so we did, we did get, we did get fortunate with, um, with that one, but yeah, yeah, I'll still take it as it comes. And you know, obviously, what pleased me was apart from that one instant. Adam, I'd say that you know, Forrest, as a defensive, like from a resolve point of view, Forrest were good. Like, you know, Worrell was rightfully man of the match. Figueredo played very, very well next to him. You know, uh, obviously Spence couldn't get forward as much, but he still put a good shift in. I thought Colback, okay, he looked awkward in the first half, was much improved in the second. You know, we certainly made them work very, very hard for what they eventually got. And you have to say, like, bear in mind, we lost three out of our back five to keep. Liverpool like that was, you know, sort of speaks wonders about how our defensive coaching is currently going. Yeah, I think we kept them uh, to, we restricted them to like long distance shots. And I feel like we pushed Liverpool out wide quite a lot to try and get crosses in. And a lot of them were either getting cleared away by Worrell or Figueroa or claimed by Horvath. And I think we're doing that a lot in the Championship, even. We're trying to force teams out wide rather than narrow through the middle of us, even though it's quite congested in there generally with the, with the three at the back. But 
Yeah, I, th- I do feel you make an interesting point about the four at the back. It kind of does restrict Spence. And I think that's where you can say he is a right wing back and not a right back. Um, I thought uh, Shimakas and, and Jota did pretty well against him in, in all aspects, really. He only got maybe forward once or twice and he got ushered out by mm. a £90 million centre-half or whatever, how much he cost. <laughs> I think that, but, that um, was um, a yeah, moment of like, when you realise the golfing class, that was the moment for me. I mean, we all, there were, there, was, many, there just, was many little moments yeah. like that with, with, with Liverpool. You can just see their quality. Um, on the ball, especially when if they wanted to speed it up, they could have. Um, but I do think we did match them for a, a lot of effort, and I think that's like the first and foremost thing you've got to do in a, in a cup tie like that is is just match, match their work rate, and I think we did that. Um, and I, I'm I'm sure we'll get onto it a little bit more, more in detail, but I was pretty happy of how we defended. Mm. Just obviously, the goal come at a bit of a a shit time for it, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was the ultimate sucker punch, really, wasn't it, after what happened? I mean, but you make a good point on Spence. I felt like it was a mixture of, one, him being playing as a right-back, where he couldn't really get forward, and two, the quality of the team we were playing against sort of restricted him quite a lot. But, um, no, I think, collectively, it was great to see, like, um, Figueredo and Morrill, like you said, every single cross that came in, pretty much, just clear, 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 every time. And... Um, you know, it's just great to see that desire to, to want to like you know defend your box. Reese, obviously, the moment though that was you know that caused a sucker punch was uh, Zinkenegel, and obviously Forrest had some sm- small chances. I mean, there was a ball in the first half which Lolly, I think, sort of tried to cut back across into Yates when I felt he could have shot. Um, but you know, chances were very few and far between, really. But that one where <laughs> Johnson's put the ball. On a sixpence for Zinkenagel, pretty much with half an open goal to aim at. Uh, I mean, <laughs> obviously, you can't pin a moment as such on a game, but I do think that was the turning point of the match because of for obvious reasons. I mean, I mean, what was your take on the miss? I think you're right, really, because that probably was the moment, wasn't it? Um, and then, you know, a few minutes later, you won nil down. Um, I just went. I thought he just went with his wrong foot, to be honest. It, and it, it was just a bit of a strange kind of finish. And you know, he probably should have let it come across his body and smack him with his left foot. He probably would have got a cleaner contact. But it's always, you know, as a football fan, it's always easy when you're watching a video. Mm. You know, we've all played football in the heat of the moment. You've got to make a split second decision and. You know, but I'm sure seeing it back, he'll be disappointed. Um, and to be honest, I think if that would have gone in, I do think would have beaten him. Yeah, um, so I, I, I feel I, that as well. Yeah. Um, but that's again all in hindsight. So, and then you know, two what was it, two or three minutes later, um, they've gone down the run. And to be fair to Shikim, to Shimikas, it's, it, it's, yeah. it's a superb ball. And you know, and and to be fair, like Jota two or three months ago, you know, there was people talking to him about as probably the form striker in Europe. So <laughs> when you see it, when it, when you see it, is it like, ah, it's not bad, but, you know, on the basis of the game, I did think we probably deserved to go for another half an hour extra time, but that, sh- that moment, that few minutes phase shows you your levels in quality. We've had a really good chance. We've not took it. They've had, a really good ball into a good area and they've and they've got on the end of it and you know seen the game out really then pretty much yeah I mean I just don't get why I, I know obviously what you're saying is true obviously it's easier from up here isn't it when, when you understand it's like you sort of think oh yeah have you done that sort of thing and like you said heat at the moment is a big factor but I just don't get why he tried to go across Allison. like he tried it's almost like he tried like I mean you know, more often than not in football, you know, the simple things more often than not the best thing you can do. You know, the simple pass, the easy pass, the easy finish. All you have to do is just side foot that into the left hand side of the net and it's in. Alice is getting nowhere near that. I don't know why he tried to go across him and he just lost his composure. That is uh, so frustrating. Even I mean, I can't believe we're hosting a pod where we've got one of the best teams in the world who could arguably be in a few months' time the best team in the world will be saying. And we're sat here frustrated that we haven't managed to beat them. Like, compare that in contrast to six months ago, where we didn't have a single shot on target away at a shit soak side. So it's, 
remarkable leaps and bounds. But I mean, we'll talk about the goal, Adam. Um, it was, it was, as Reece said, it was a great ball in. Um, obviously, a bit of contention about it with VAR, which didn't really help. Um, I mean, what, did you, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think it was offside? Do you think the, the line should have been drawn at his foot rather than Figueredo's shoulder? What's your uh, thought process on that? So when I, when I first saw it, and I think Sam Matterface and Dixon were commentating on ITV, they both said, it's offside. I think it's offside. And then, like, because the angle they showed was a bit like, yeah, it does look offside. And then they showed a different angle, and you're like, well, he does look on. And then I saw a load of people put on Twitter about the incident they had against Chelsea earlier in the season, and Lukaku's hand being offside, but not his leg or his or his foot. So it's like kind of like, well, where's the consistency with VAR? But without without it, it would have stood anyway. So it's kind of, and I and I and I'm more of a football purist, and I'd rather have no VAR in in a sense because they've not had it for all those rounds before. So how can you now then go? Oh, it's a court final now. We'll put it in because you're playing Liverpool, who are a massive club. Yeah, um, yeah. it's very strange. But they're going back to the Zinconagel chance. It's, it was a typified Forest move of this season, wasn't it? Get it down the right and it's a low ball in across the box. Johnson gets it. He's, he's, he's so good at it. He's done it so many times this season for assists uh, on both sides, left foot and right, because he, he's he's so good with both feet. But that's the difference between... I, I think I'd rather have Zinconago just hit the target at least. He's more disappointing that he's missed the goal completely because yeah. in the Wednesday night chance, Cafu makes... Marshall make a save, but we recover it and we score from it. Do you know what I mean? It's it's those little moments. Just hit the target from there. If it's Zinconagel misses, at least at least made Allison make a good save. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, it's disappointing. Jotters took a half chance really well. It's a great cross. We've been beaten by a side who is full of full of superstars, and I'm sure we're going to get onto the whole respect thing of them bringing on four players who are worth God knows how much. Um, so yeah, it's kind of it shows that we 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 did we we gave him one hell of a game, and even Diego Yotta after the game said like that it was a tough game, and and that's that's the biggest amount of respect you can you can give give to us. I know a lot of people say, oh, it's just it's kind of like they're there kind of sort of pat on the head kind of compliment or whatever, but I I generally think it was from a place that they've they've they've, they've had a tough game. Yeah, we we definitely make it easy for him. I think like it's annoying, isn't it? Because I mean, like that's a sort of defeat if it comes in like the third round. You sort of go like, okay, you know, out the cup, put a good fight, lose narrowly, so top side, you move on. But again, to be so close to like winning the game and going to Wembley just makes it so much more frustrating. Uh, I'll stick with the goal very quickly. I mean, do you reckon? I know obviously you mentioned that um, from a purist point of view that the linesman didn't flag, but do you think he didn't flag because he wasn't sure or because VAR would check? I mean, it would be very interesting to see whether that. Well, obviously, only he will know that, but it'd be very interesting to see whether, like, he would have done that without knowing that he could have been checked. Could have been checked. It was. It's so tough because it happens obviously so fast. Uh, and I mean, I've I've done linesman jobs, and I think we all have on like a Sunday morning or a Saturday or whatever. And and it, it is it is a hard job, but it was so tight. It was hard to say really. Um, I, I I thought it was onside during when I was watching it on telly, so it's kind of. If I thought that, then it would it, it kind of kind of give it uh, give it benefits to the for the striker really in, in my eyes. Unfortunately, that's yeah. just how it goes. But we we played really well. We can't we can't grumble. We gave it hundred percent. We we had chances. So I mean, if we didn't have chances, then I'd have been a bit more disappointed. But the fact that we 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 matched them, it just shows that maybe we are ready for the Premier League. But I'm just glad the atmosphere was so good. It clock gave us the biggest compliment you could ever ask for and he said it was like a European night and I can imagine that in the Premier League every season in the se- in the season that most teams that come to the city ground will know it's a big occasion unless you play someone like Burnley do you know what I mean no offence to Burnley but that's I how it will even, be I think even if we got promoted those games would be pretty special atmosphere wise just because it's been so long especially for the first I mean it could be only one season Obviously, this, we, I don't <clears> think we take it for granted at all because you know obviously we've been so long out so I think yeah. every game would be like you know absolutely rocking. It'd be, uh, I, I, and I know time. people have I know people have this different opinion of 
of what fours are doing and the atmosphere they might try and create at lower bridge but that was one of the best displays uh, yeah. they've done and credit credit to them for doing it in such a short space of time i know people are saying oh let's not do a display and all that blah blah but you're just doing it for the sake of liverpool but i don't think there's a club in the country that does displays like we're doing at the moment and people laugh at it because they go oh what's all this they go they're really laughing at it because their club's not doing it exactly yeah i mean you look at the, the displays i say like the inverted commas that Derby try to come up with hiding behind fucking sheet masks and just being generally embarrassing. And you look at some of the stuff that we're doing, it's just, you know, night and day. And you can't even say can they afford it because that's all fan supported, fair place to them. But yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, to be honest. You know, um, it was a sense of prize, like in defeat. You know, I think like, if we're going to lose, lose in that manner, you know, you can sort of, it's frustrating, but you can stomach it. It's, I'd rather, obviously, there are ways of losing, as we said before in this podcast. And yeah, we weren't rolled over. We didn't. We weren't overawed by them. We, you know, it was professional. It was good, and we were very unlucky. And who knows? With a full complement, we might even win that game. But we'll never know. At least until hopefully next season. So yeah, we'll obviously we'll go back to those four substitutions, uh, Lee. So <laughs> it was a bit of a, a first testament to how we played, really. That after the hour mark or so, Liverpool brought on those for superstars. I mean, we spoke earlier on the season about when um, Moutinho played for Wolves and just ran the show. I mean, some of the passes Thiago was pinging out to the flank was ridiculous. But, you know, for us to put box them into that hole that Klopp felt, all right, I need to bring some big boys on now. Obviously, Luis Diaz cost like £55 million, pounds, I think, recently. Thiago, one of the best midfielders in Europe for the last 10 years. Jordan Henderson, you know, Liverpool caps in, Premier League winning caps in. Um, they were certainly rattled, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think that's the thing for me. The fact that if you look back from, I mean, what Steve Cooper's had, what, six months, nearly seven months? If you just said to me when he first came in that we'll be in the FA Cup quarterfinal and not only that, but it's nil-nil after an hour and they've got to put a man who captains England, a man who's won the Champions League with Bayern, a man who recently cost 50-odd million, um, and Mina Mina one who's well, well yeah. I mean, we expected he'd start, I suppose. So but yeah, I mean if you'd have told me that I'd have said you're living in a, a football manager crazed uh, world. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I just think um it was such a testament to us. And do you know what? It's funny because I wasn't sure at the time if I was kind of you know guilty of having rose tinted glasses on. I thought we played really well. Um, mm. but I wasn't sure if that was because it was simply because it was nil-nil against such a good side. Um, everyone I've spoke to since, I've spoke to Sheffield Wednesday fans, I've spoke to Leeds fans. Sadly, I do know people who support these clubs. But yeah, and they've all said how good we actually were. They couldn't believe, you know, without really... We didn't really have too many chances where, you know, Alison's made save after save. But to actually stand up to them and go toe-to-toe with them, um, you know, it, it, it's a little bit like... Um, I suppose it's a little bit like a boxer when someone goes in with Tyson Fury or Anthony Joshua or something and they take him to points, they get lots of credit for it. It was probably similar, really, because we didn't really lay too much of a glove on them but for, until the Zinc and Argo miss, really. Yeah. I felt that was the one chance that um, we probably should have tucked away. Um, but, yeah, it was it was just such a, a proud moment. And I was quite pleased that the city ground kind of appreciated that, even though we lost at the end. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was funny mentioned about the whole fan thing as well. I mean... Again, obviously, um, like it's it's slightly more different for me because obviously my, uh, most of my mates support like United or Arsenal. And obviously, mm-hmm. they seem to direct rivalry with them. Who have sort of gone, oh yeah, you should, you, should, like, you should have you know did really well. But um, it's quite funny when Liverpool smacking. I mean, you think think about it, like United fans, for example, Liverpool won five 0 at Old Trafford this season, and you know they needed a questionable goal to beat us. Yeah, so it's yeah, crazy. I think I think they've put, I think they've put ten goals past Leeds as well this season. And everyone yeah. gives Leeds credit for for being gung-ho and I think Steve Cooper kind of gave everyone in the Premier League probably a little bit of a um, an indication of how to perhaps make things difficult for Liverpool. You kind of just have to, I say stick to your principles. I know we did go with a different shape than what we usually do, but I think that was more a case of needs must. I think mm. our actual style of play was still pretty similar um, in a weird sort of way, even though it was still a 4-2-3-1. But yeah, I just think... A lot of teams get spanked by Liverpool because they're almost scared of playing them. They've kind of, yeah. it's a bit like if you go and pick up a snooker queue and just challenge Ronnie O'Sullivan to a game, you, you'd know you've lost already. Um, and I think a lot of Premier League teams are actually guilty of doing that, to be honest. Mm. No, it's, it's, it's a good point. It's definitely a good point. And um, yeah, I mean, it's 
we sort of look like even right at the death, even after Zinchenko got missed the last 10 minutes. Obviously, Forrest, you know, it was like, it was weird. It was like the, the goal sort of just sort of went Forrest go, oh, you know what, fuck it, just pull men forward. And Liverpool seemed really sort of confused at first. Um, you know, we could have had, obviously, James Garner puts him past the game and Yates, uh, somewhat of a penalty claim. Um, and then not long after that, Figueiredo puts in the second best part of this game from a Forest perspective. Um, when he puts in Cafu in on goal, he just blazed over. Uh, Lee, obviously, the penalty claim, do you think it was a penalty first and foremost? And as for the second one, do you think it was like the wrong man in the right position in regards to Cafu's effort? Um, I don't think it was a penalty. I've got to be honest. As much as I'd love to think it was. Um, it's one of them, don't get me wrong. I was out my, I was out my seat at the time, but having watched it back, um, I think that the key thing for me is if you look at... Um, Jota's Jota won one similarly against Palace in the Premier League yes. but he doesn't change it, it, when he goes through on goal he doesn't change his path because essentially he knows the keeper's going to clatter him um, and then it's up to the officials um, whereas Yates took it out he, he kind of made it easy for the officials I thought not a criticism of Yates I mean he's, he's not used to being in, I just think if that's say a, a Graben, um possibly even a Davis to be fair a, a striker's instinct and intelligence will tell them just to stay on the path let the keeper take me out and Yates kind of he adjusts his run and then leaves his leg in which basically means he instigates the contact which you'd never ever sell a penalty on the pitch so the referee is always going to leave it in the hands of VAR um, I mean even at my level I, w- I wouldn't be given a penalty for that at my level I'd, it's one of those where you, you, you just end up with no tyres on your car. It's just a, a really soft one and, and the player gets lynched for, for taking a dive at that level. That's what they'll tell you. But it wasn't a penalty for me um, just because Yates you know, almost initiated the contact. If he had stayed on the same path, I think it would have been given on field, to be fair, because yeah. Alisson would have just cleaned him out. Um, and yeah, with the Cafu one, it was... I still fancied Cafu to hit the target, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it was a great ball from Figueroa, wasn't it? Um, cracker, yeah. But yeah, it was. It probably was. Yeah, we could have just done with. Funnily enough, Zinkenov would have probably scored that one. Um, it's, it's someone like that on it, Johnson or Zinkenov on the volley. You'd fancy them to, you know, to get it right. But yeah, it was just a bit disappointing. But I, I still thought Kaffee would score. To be honest. Uh, yeah, I think. I haven't, yeah, I think maybe hit the target definitely and then about to score. Yeah, maybe. absolutely. Yeah, I think the thing that gripes me about the penalty is you maybe, but, but hearing you explain it like that, the fact that you sort of change the path direction, so you just can't help thinking if that was the other way around, it probably does get given. But then, like you said, they wouldn't have changed their direction, their run, and they carried on just going straight like a bullet and just taking the hit. So, yeah. I would have been interested, I would have still been interested to see with it being. I mean, I'm not going to question the referee's integrity for one minute because that's that's not that's not right. The referees never have that mindset. But ultimately, Craig Paulson is a Premier League referee. He referees Premier League teams all the time. He knows the tricks and the trades. Yeah, a Premier League player might just... I think if it's Jota or someone like that, he just carries his run on, gets clattered by the keeper. But I still wonder if it had been exactly the same, i.e. Jota leaving his foot in on Horvath, I still, I've still got this niggling feeling that Paulson might have pointed to the spot in that's, real time. That's what, yeah, that's what annoys me because I, I think exactly the same way. And to be honest, I mean, I, I know obviously you, you might have a view on this. Thing. Paulson, I mean, this could be club bias coming into it. Paulson really pissed me off in that game because it felt like he was starry-eyed from the first whistle to the to the last. Like it seemed every single fifty-fifty, every marginal decision was going Liverpool's way. Like it felt like. You know, he just he sort of look at these stars like Van Dijk and you know even Diaz instead and be like, oh, you know, you know whatever you want. And to us, it's oh, it's only Championship Forest. I, I mean, obviously that could just be me being like you know, a disgruntled fan, but that's the way it felt. And I just, like I said, I do have that niggling feeling if that is hot and it runs for a goal for me, you know, and they escape the contact, they get the penalty. I do, uh, I do some. I mean, I at the time and I stick by this. I I made the point that Paulson is a Premier League official. He he will probably get sent to Liverpool again this season or to do a Liverpool fixture this season. Um, does he want to rock up at their next game and be the, oh, he was the ref when Forrest got that dodgy penalty? He knows for, he knows in the, his back of his mind that he's never going to have to see Forrest again this season. He won't, yeah. It's very rare nowadays that they give Premier League officials the... 
if they get a playoff final, it's usually a, a Premier League referee who's not on the FIFA list, and Paulson is. So it'll be someone like a, I don't know, a David. It won't be David Cooks is from Nottingham, but you know what I mean. Some, well, in fact, he's FIFA as well. But you know what I mean. It'll be someone that's not yeah. on the FIFA list. Um, so yeah, that again, that's not me questioning his integrity, but I just think anything for an easy life. I agree with you. Everything that was fifty-fifty, little throw-in, little goal kick or corner, Liverpool got it. And, and that's not that's not that's not bemoaning the outcome and the result. I don't think he impacted the outcome and the result. No, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, but that I thought that was factual. I, I genuinely think he gave them absolutely every single fifty-fifty. No, definitely. So. Very annoying, very annoying. Um, but one thing we will come for is uh, we'd have a win, obviously, of course, and a very, very crucial win too. So, uh, you know, playoff chasing QPR, we were four points ahead of us going into that game. You know, we needed to win to keep keep the pressure on, and that's very exactly what we did, and very emphatically as well. Uh, race, I mean, it was it wasn't the best start. <laughs> it was very able to put it mildly. Uh, I don't know how Edit didn't score that sort of like. I don't know, I, I, it's sort of the ball went across the box and then it went over, then went onto the line, didn't go in. Um, what? Why do you think we started so sluggishly against QPR? Um, I'm not. I'm not too sure. To be, I'm not too sure to be honest. To be to be to be fair, under I know the Reading game kind of dispels this comment, but to be fair, under Cooper, we have been majority, I'd say, a second half team. If you if you look through most of the games, especially I think at home, usually like at home, you know this is not every game, but usually at home like first half we all right, and then we usually like going at half time either winning one nil against a poor side when it's Reading or drawing, um, and then we come out second half and up the levels. Um, Obviously, you know, QPR is another exception to that because we went in, we went 1-0 down at half-time. But, you know, we they had that early spell, didn't they? And then I think, if memory serves me correctly, they had we had a couple of, like, Yates kind of chances, um, yes. half chances. Um, yeah. I think he was on the stretch once and he, like, got it back across the goal. And so it was like a bit of to and fro and then... Obviously, you know, they've gone in at half-time ahead. Um, you know, I think the fig slipped, didn't it? It's been put through and, yes. you know, Andre Gray from that angle, or, you know, all that will be disappointed he's not saved that. Um, but, you know, as I'm sure we'll get on to, you know, we'll talk about the second half in a minute. Yeah, very, yeah, I think very much so. It was, it was, it was very bizarre. Sort of starts the game. Obviously, we sort of think we've into it, but one it's interesting you mentioned the second half thing because Leeds were like that when they got promoted. I think um, it's uh, again. You, you, to be honest, when you see stats like this, when teams come out better in the second half, it's because a man has seen something and done something about it. And obviously, with Bielsa against people like you know your average Championship manager, of course, he's going to spot things quicker and better. That's, that's why he has a career he has done. But it is interesting. It's good to know that with Cooper, we have do have someone like that. Now, obviously, we had a bit of a difference, a difference of opinion on this one, which always makes a good debate, because my word was it was a howler from Horvath. And to be honest, I felt he was very lucky to keep his place um, for Liverpool team. It's probably down to that we won that game. Don't get me wrong, like, this isn't an attack on him at all. I just think that if you've got a striker at an angle whose only chance of getting a shot on target is at the near post, and it goes through the keeper's legs and goes in, it's goalkeeping mistake 10 times out of 10. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. I, I, I just, um, it was just the word howler I didn't really agree with. And we don't disagree on much, do we, Christian? But uh, <laughs> it was just the word howler. Um, to me, a howler is his goal against Middlesbrough. Um, yeah. That, that is a, that's a Danny Baker special. That, that ends up on a video. Um, I think one where it goes through the keeper's legs, there's, in that situation, I think it's just more of a, it's a fundamental weakness in Horvath's game, I think. Again, this isn't me kind of... Ethan Horvath is a professional goalkeeper, but I just think it highlights that his footwork perhaps isn't quite as good as Samba's. I don't think Samba lets that goal in because he, he, what Samba is very good at is he adjusts his feet very quickly. Hmm. And Horvath didn't anticipate that Figueredo might slip. Um, I'm not sure why you wouldn't anticipate that because the conditions were absolute 
It was ridiculous. Shocker, uh, yeah. So there was always a chance that it could happen. And he was just, to me, he was just too flat-footed. Um, if he adjusts his feet pretty quickly, he kind of he kind of cuts off the near post and the shot goes straight at him almost. And because he didn't, he just left the gate open and, and he scored. I must admit, uh, in the ground at the time, all three of us who sit together, we all said, that's Samba back in on Sunday. Yeah. Because we felt it was a bad one at the time. When I got home and saw it back from a few different angles, that was when I kind of came round to the, okay, it's, it, as a professional goalkeeper, he should save it. I th- I'm of the opinion, really, that most most things that go in at the near post should be saved, especially if they're low, when you're a pro. Um, but for me, it was just the, the fundamental with the footwork that kind of, you know, saw it at the back of the net. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just it's a frustrating excuse. I, like you, the first thing, when I, was, I was watching from home, as soon as it went out, I just literally screamed at my TV, like, keeper. Like, mm. you know, yeah, but thankfully it didn't, come, it didn't haunt us, it didn't cost us, and, you know, we got back into it, and in some fashion as well. And yeah, I mean, as I mean, it was very different, pretty much different team second half. Um, and while the goal came in somewhat unconventional circumstances, you always felt it was coming. And um, I say unconventional circumstances, a goal of the season contender really from Spencer. But... Yeah, for second half, we, we kind of come out how we were in the middle of the first half and we got the ball down, uh, zipped it around a lot. Uh, quicker the, the conditions didn't help in the first half it was very like waterlogged in the corners I remember, I remember Zink and I were trying to take on their fullback he left the ball behind him because of the, because of the water so I kind of had I felt that had a bit of a hampering but it's really funny because uh, me and Reese obviously were sat we stood together at this game and before QPR scored, I said they've not really had a chance. Next minute, they've gone and scored, and I'm like, "Oh, so so sorry, Reese." <laughs> and then um, just before Spencer's had that crack, Reese just goes, "We just need to shoot because this the Marshall's not a great goalkeeper." Next minute, Spencer's picked up 25 yards, and I mean, we couldn't have got a better view for it because it was right behind it. It's just it's rocketed in the top corner. I mean, fair play to to Jed Spencer having the confidence to just unleash. But that is a banger. So it's nice to see it, obviously, and it and it, and it got the crowd going. Bloody hell! It was it was it was noisy after that, and and there was only going to be one winner really in that game. We we were we just dominated them, and QPR made two bizarre substitutions. I mean, they lost Chris Willock in the first half due to injury, and then they bought was it Johansson and Hendrick on, and they just didn't do anything for them. It was very weird. Um. But yeah, it was it was a great end to the to, to the half. We're obviously going to talk about it in a moment, but could could that uh, Jed Spence got us off on our on our way with with, with a belter? Absolutely, yeah. I must admit, on the, on the topic of Jack Hendrick, it gives me great pleasure seeing that sheep shagger fucking cry and mope like he was. Because I remember after we lost, I think we lost. It was when we lost five nil to them. And um, he put out a tweet saying like, "It's days like today where I'm so glad I chose Derby for Forest at 16." He's obviously since deleted it, but I, I, was, I was hunting very, uh, very keenly for that tweet after that game because he was shit for a ten and a half million pound player. He absolutely stunk the place out, and like, it just it was weird because like, he just sort of slowed them down. Like at a time where, you know, we're sort of coming into the game more, and you know, if this is something that we'll come into now. Actually, I mean, uh, our fitness levels for the last twenty were absolutely sublime. Like you, you, you wouldn't have thought it was the last twenty minutes of the game at all. You would have thought it was the early stages. We trick like I don't know whatever Cooper's doing to them in practice, in training is ridiculous because their their fitness regime is unbelievable, and it's probably as good as when we had it under Billy Davis before, where if you're like an ounce of body fat over, then you'd be dropped. It was one of them like cliche games for me where it just wasn't going to end the draw. It was either going to be they were going to win it one 0 like Huddersfield did in December. Or we was gonna equalise, um, either put together a good move or something out of nothing like it was, and then we was gonna go on and win the game. And you know, once we got level, like Adam says, I thought there was only gonna be one winner because last twenty minutes, I thought they were blowing out the backsides. Um, you know, they were asking Andre Gray to press, and he was, you know, he's in his mid thirties now, and he Andre Gray, and you know, when we we were so. It was really impressive watching it, you know, so full of running, like Cathy and that come on and the energy and James Garner's energy. And 
you know, and then to um, I'm just trying to think now. And the second goal, yeah, the, like the second goal was a bit fortuitous, but again, you know, Ryan Yates, right place, right time. He, yeah. he gets in the positions, Tony. You can't, you can't knock him. He's, he's hooked it back into an area, and it's I don't know if it's like hit someone or just bobbled in, but honestly, you can't knock him because. You know, he does get into some superb areas. And mm. like we said, when we was critical on that part a few pods ago, we did say that. It was just his application and the finish. And he, he seems now to have sorted that out. Um, and then the, the third goal, I mean, I mean, our Cafu didn't score. I don't know. I mean, you've got you to give Marshall a bit of credit for keeping that out. It was a good save, but, you know, you'd expect to score. Yeah. Yeah, he always seems to get he always seems to get injured against Forest, isn't he, David Marshall? So I remember him <laughs> hobbling off when Garner sent that shot underneath him at Pride oh, yeah. Park and in lockdown he, his back had gone. So um and then obviously like Adam mentioned earlier, we recycle it and you know we we see the game out and you know then they've obviously Marshall's got to go off and they've got I don't I'm not sure I went in golf them an outfield player. Mm. And you know, like in forest teams gone by, you'd still think they've got an outfield playing goal down to 10 men with three one up. You still would have thought if they get one back, we're gonna be under the <laughs> pressure here. <laughs> but with this team and that, you know, that, that mentality, I think, like we've mentioned on several pods now, mm. I think it's it's changed, and it and you really do back this side in adversity to come through and at least if it isn't a win, they'll get a point. So yeah, hopefully we can continue that on the games going forward. Definitely, yeah. Obviously, um, touching on that goal, uh, Adam. The, the, the sorry, the second goal. It was Yates' fourth goal and fourth games at that moment in time. But more, uh, which is obviously hugely impressive. Fair play to the guy. But what was more pleasing for me from a team aspect was that it was another goal from a set piece. And you know, I mean, it seems for a good two third of the season, I'd say we've seemed to struggle with set pieces, like. I don't know why we just weren't scoring from them. Like it came like a running joke. Like when was the last time Forrest scored from a corner, which didn't happen. Uh, I don't know if it's down to Garner's delivery getting better or being more precise or whatever else, but we seem quite a dangerous side from set pieces now, which, you know, let's say Forrest do finish in the playoffs, like fingers crossed and touching woods and, you know, everything else. But, you know, these games could be settled by like the, the, the finest of fine margins to quote the manager of the Warburton. But, you know, a set piece could ultimately decide whether Forest get promoted or not. So the fact that we're like you know, starting to put them into them is great news. I think it's a combination of James Garner obviously doing something right and he's hitting the money. I mean, the, the corner weren't even that good actually for for that goal. It kind of just, I think it caught people out by surprise because it like kind of like took a bounce and Yates has hooked it. But it's also the fact that Ryan Yates is a magnet, isn't he? He's a, we've said this, hey, he's just a magnet to the football. He just needed to convert, like Reece said, and now he's started to score them. Um, and it's only, it's only going to be a good thing because hopefully it just means now uh, your bigger lads get on the end of things. Um, Keenan Davis, Joe Worrell, Figueredo even. Um, and obviously, like... When, when McKenna and Cook are back um, available, hopefully they start getting on the end of things. And McKenna was starting to get on the end of things. He was kind of like that man that was heading it back into the danger area, wasn't yeah. he? So, yeah, it's really good to see. We're scoring even from, like, not just corners, but other free kicks as well. We're obviously doing doing something on the training ground, which is which is paying dividends. And that's a, it's another it's another weapon to our arsenal, isn't it? So, we, we've just, just got to keep it going, really. Keep, keep that momentum... Uh, but yeah, we are mentality beasts at the moment. We just keep going and going and going, and and if we if we've been, we've got to do that now. The last ten games are massive. It's going to be ten cup finals to get into the playoffs, and I'm I'm extremely excited for it. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited for it. Like, like I said um, at the start of the pod, like the international breaks come at a good and a bad time because like. You, the way Forest start at a minute, you just want to keep getting more. Like, it is quite literally like the song, just can't get enough. Like, you just want to keep watching them because you want to see like what Cooper could do. It's a positive place to be right now. But, um, it, obviously, as we sort of touched upon there, losing McKenna and low in that game was a massive, massive blow. And, um, the news there out for six weeks after that, it wasn't good. I mean, the only positive we can take really is that 
obviously with the international break being two weeks, they'll have four weeks left of rehab recovery time. So they should still be fit for the last five games of the season. But yeah, not great. Um, but, you know, next man up, as has been the way, as we've shown against Liverpool, we've got that as we are mentality monsters and we'll keep being that way, which is great to see. At the end of the game, though, I mean, what, obviously, please be, obviously we've touched on the, the fitness issues, Lee, but like Forrest were just so you know, ruthless. I mean, I mean, obviously, like, it's unfortunate David Marshall had that injury, and of course, you know, he <laughs> worse than that hamstring injury, getting uh, more and more, uh, making more and more saves. But fair enough, Kaffee should score. But the fact that we recycled it and got another shot away, you know, it was, it was like Forrest like, smelled blood once he sort of, it was, it became apparent that Marshall had an issue, and QPR did very little to protect him, really. And we have fully exploited that. Yeah, it was. I thought it was a bizarre game plan from QPR. To be honest, they did everything right for, for the first half an hour. Uh, well, for the first half, really, they went in in front, didn't they? So it, it was like a. It was almost like, oh my god, we're, we're getting schooled by Mark Warburton here. Um, <laughs> but then it was it was really strange because again, it just highlights how much of a different animal we are these days. I think, but as soon as Spence scored, you just sensed that they'd kind of. I don't know. I just looked at their body language and I thought we can beat these now. These are gone. These have put all this effort into. I don't. I don't want to say. I don't think Warburton's the sort of manager that will score first and then kind of do what Hewton used to do and just shut up shop. I don't think yeah. he's like that. But um, I felt their game plan was very much to score first in those conditions and then frustrate the living daylights out of us. Mm. And when I when I looked at their bench and I saw that they were putting, one, I think they were one nil down. Sorry, it was one all, and they put their response to us being on top was to put two centre midfielders on. And I just turned to my mate and I said, "We can win this game now." Mm. We're not putting Charlie Austin on in a game like that. I find absolutely baffling. And I know that I know that Charlie Austin is not the player he was five or six years ago. But you don't pay that money to have a player like that sat on the bench, and then in a game against one of your playoff rivals, one-one game in the balance, awful conditions. He would have needed one chance. That's all it would have yeah. taken. And you just had to carve out one chance for him. He just thrived on that. Uh, I've read since as well that he's unhappy with the game time he's getting. And I'm not surprised because he's looking at that bench and thinking, right, 1-1, get me on. I'll get us the winner. And he puts Jeff Hendrick and Stefan Johansson on. And it's like, happy days. And it, co- it cost them big style. And I've seen, I've seen some stuff on Twitter from their fans after the game and they just couldn't, they can't fathom it. And mm. from a Forest fan who's been there and got the T-shirt with it, you know, welcome to our world for eighteen months. <laughs> fine margins, fine margins indeed. Absolutely. Plan B is to do plan A better. Well, <laughs> he he kind of fucked plan A up there, didn't he? On uh, against us, to be honest. Yeah, he did. He very much did. Anyway, we're gonna move on to something quite fun now, uh, because it was actually a recent shout on this one. So fair play to you for that one. Um, inspired by Talk Sports Drive Show, the question we asked you was. So you've got four Forest sides, you've got Hearts playoff season, Billy's two playoff seasons, so I know to 11, uh, Sabri's near miss and Cooper's current team. Full 11 with your formation, you have to have a minimum of two players from each and maximum of three from each. So obviously this caught a few people out. We've got a few submitted 12-man squads, which would be very nice if we could allow to do that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but um, so we'll go through some of yours. So we got, uh, Nick Siggs has got uh, Sambrin goal then Spence oh, it's just, it's just, it's, 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 eh, isn't in uh, position order it's in number order so it's got Samba Spence at right back Warrell Dawson centre back that's Cooper Hart uh, Shorey at left back from Davis I imagine he'd be quite a popular choice uh, in the midfield it's uh, Cohen and Williams uh, obviously Williams and the Hart days quite a few people went for him to be fair and then we had that's it, a front three, it seems, of uh, sorry, Lolly behind Harewood and Earnshaw, and a few subs as well. So Ash Davis has gone for Darren Ward in goal, Spence at right back, Worrell and McKenna centre backs. He's gone for Lamucci's Worrell though, which is interesting. Uh sure at left back. Uh it's Gareth Williams, uh, McGugan and Garner in midfield. Then a front three of Graben on the right, Earnshaw down the middle, and Huckabee on the left. Uh, so has got Anthony McKinnis, Scott got Camp, Cash, Dawson, McKenna, Cohen, Garner, McGugan, Yates, Lolly, Harewood, Johnson. Uh, Charles has gone for Camp, Cash, Morgan, Warren, Jim Brennan, which I'm glad a few people said Jim Brennan. Uh, Lolly, McKenna, Yates, Reeds, 
Davis and Johnson. Again, interesting that Keenan's got in quite a few as well. Uh, Jim Beckett says, you know, I'll read out a few more for you. Uh, Camp, Cash, Dawson, Morgan, Ribeiro, uh, McKenna, Yates, Johnson, Garner, Huckabee, and then Harewood up front. And then the last one I'll read out will be from uh, Pete, who's gone for uh, camping goal. And then oh, he's, he's done it in weird number order. So it's walk. So it's Spencer right back. Uh, I can't actually see who's got a left back, but I read that place. So he's got uh, Des Walker, Luke Chambers. Interesting shout. Um, Scott McKenna, Jed Spence, Ben Watson on the Sabri, Thiago Silva on the Sabri, Davis on the Cooper, Lucy on the da- under Billy Davis, um, Harewood on the Heart, and Graben under Lamucci. So. Thank you again for all yours. We actually got way more than we thought we had to read out, which is incredible. So thank you all for your support. Great stuff. Uh, we'll start with yours, Rhys. What is your team and formation? I've gone for a kind of Paul Art Diamond oh, yeah. um, formation because when he when that formation did come on the scene, it was a bit revolutionary. And <laughs> I love how Neil Warner actually hated we played it back in the day. Um, so I've gone for, I mean, goalkeeper, I've gone for Lee Cam. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, Darren Ward was pretty solid as well, to be fair, but Camp, I think, was streets out of any other option. The right back was tough, but I have gone for Spence um, in, the, in, in this one. Um, and then the two centre-backs are Dawson, uh, the Paul Art Dawson, and yeah. McKenna from Scott McKenna for this season. Nice. And then left back was a tough one. It, I did think of Jim Brennan and, you know, Bertram was another shot as well, but I did go for the man who would have solved every forest problem in history, and that's Nicky Shorey, if we'd have signed him. Um, then my wild card, which was kind of my CDM, was the man who was absolutely instrumental on the Sabri, but was made of absolute biscuits, unfortunately, and that's Samba So. You know, his win record under him was phenomenal. Um, and then I've kind of I've gone a, a more advanced out of him. You know, that James Garner, not Joe. <laughs> and, then, and, then the, and then the wingers would be Lolly from the Sabri. That's a, that's a tough one. Yeah. You know, if, if I'd have put Johnson in, then I wanted to add enough from the other Coopers. So well, I could have gone Cash at right back and Johnson at right mid, but I've gone for Lolly. And then Reed. On the left from Paul Hart, and then I talk from Graben from the Sabri season and Earnshaw from the Billy era. And again, you could easily put Airwood and David Johnson in there as well because they were both very good. A lot of options, yeah. It's, it's a really good mm. question, actually, to be fair. It's really good <clears> thinking. Um, Adam, what about your, what's your combined Forest 11 from over the years? So I've gone for the Stevie Cooper 3 4 3. Yeah, I just absolutely adore it. It's, it's, good, it's a good formation. I think like Billy Davis would have benefited from this, to be honest. Yeah, to be fair. Um, I'm a Lee Camping goal, just loved him. Uh, shit house, good goalkeeper. Um, Joe Worrell of Sabri Lamucci, Michael Dawson of Paul Hart, Scott McKenna of Steve Cooper at the back. Okay. It was a debate between Jed Spence and Matty Cash at right back, right wing back. And I love Matty Cash. He's a better defender than Jed Spence, I think. But going forward, this formation requires a marauding right wing back. So I've gone for Spence. And I've gone for Paul McKenna and Andy Reid in centre mid. Chris Cohen at left wing back. Nice. Um, and then front three of Lewis Graben under Sabri Lamucci, Darren Huckabee under Paul Hart. And I've, I've, I love Keenan Davis. So I've gone for him. Keenan, uh, up nice. Top. Huckabee can be like that kind of one that drops in. But a better version of Tinkanago. Yeah. actually score goals. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you'd have buried that one the weekend, last weekend. Yeah. <laughs> so you've heard our teams now. Let's uh, well, let's see what you've got for your your Forest combined special. Well, I actually felt this was really difficult. By the way, I've spent it, more yeah. time this weekend on this than <laughs> like actual adult stuff. Um, right. So I've gone for a four-two-four. Four two four. I've gone for yeah, yeah. It is like a four two four, really. Uh, I've got two eye wing. It's two eye wingers and two centre forwards. It's not four okay. strikers. All right, yeah, yeah. So I've gone with camping goal. Yeah. Um, 
It doesn't really need explanation, that one. Brilliant under Billy Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, I must warn you as well, I've cheated the system a little bit here. Oh, I've gone for Spence at right back. Okay. Um, right wing back. I've gone for Cohen at left wing back. Okay. Um, I've actually put Cohen down for Billy's second period at the club. Just, I'm being totally honest here, just to wedge it into the team, basically. Just, I needed a left back. I can't leave Cohen out of any 11. Um, so Cohen's going left back. And my centre halves are Dawson. From Paul Hart. But as, you'll, as you'll find later, I've had, to, I've had to put Dawson down from Sabri's team. From Sabri's team? Though, awesome. Yeah, even though he hardly played. Yeah. Again, it's just to show on some of my favourite players in. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I've gone McKenna. So they're, they're McKenna, my two yeah. from the, uh, the Steve Cooper. I've not got any other Steve Cooper players in, to be fair. Just Ooh. McKenna and Spence. Uh, so in midfield, Reese was correct when he said I would indeed pick Ricardo Schimmicker. <laughs> he gets the nod for his driving force in the Paul Hart team. He was brilliant, to be fair, Schimmicker. Yeah, I, I was going to. I did see a few shouts for Gareth Williams actually on the uh, post mm. we put out. I loved Gareth Williams, but I still haven't forgiven him for kissing the badge away at West Brom. And then signing for Leicester two days later. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I've left him out on that basis, really. Um, in midfield, I've gone with Lewis McGugan alongside him. Um, I thought that season, McGugan gets a lot of bad press for me, but that one season he had where he scored dozens of goals and got dozens of assists. To be honest, both worth, seasons with Davis. He'd be worth an absolute fortune back. now. Yeah. Um, when he came back, I remember. I think that when we um, missed out the last day to Leicester, I'm pretty sure McGoon went like I forgot eight in twelve or something insane. Yeah, it was, like, it was just, something ridiculous. Yeah, him and Davis just as a partnership, just unbelievable. Like, yeah, he extracts everything out of him. Yeah, I, I think it was something like 17 goals and 15 assists one season. I wouldn't know without double checking that, but it was it was something ridiculous that is mm. pretty much unheard of in the Championship today um, from a centre midfielder as well. Um, on the left-hand side, I've gone for Andy Reid. Um, I fell under Billy the second time, to be fair. I'm not cheating the system here. I think Reid was really good. Okay. I remember a game against Watford in particular when we were 2-0 down. We won 4-2 and he was just completely unplayable that second half. Um, so he's got the nod on the left wing. I've gone with Joe Lolly on the right from the Sabridge nice. team. Yeah. Um, I always think Lolly was better when he was quitting inside anyway. Um so yeah, just, after the lockdown behind closed doors, he, he almost if we'd got in the playoffs that year, it would have been down to his goals. To be fair, mm. um, and then up front, I've gone with Graben, also from the Sabri team. Nice, yeah. Um, and I've gone with another Paul Hart pick in David Johnson. David Johnson. I just I didn't think I could leave either player out. It would I couldn't leave either goal scorer that scored twenty goals out basically. So I've, I had to get room for both of them. Nice, very strong team. Love that. Very attacking. That's what we like to see. Very tough. So my, uh, I've got also gone for the Steve Cooper three four three. In fact, I've even got Cooper as my manager too. So um, much like <laughs> that yeah, was I mean, not part of the assessment, the assignment. <laughs> no, sorry, no, extra points. Um, <laughs> um, much like well, we've covered, uh, Lee Camping goal. I think that was the easiest assist a lot. He is without doubt the best keeper we've had in the last fifteen, probably since two thousand. Even, even I'd say, like big fan of Lee Camp. Uh, so I've gone for a back three of uh, Michael Dawson from Paul Hart's era. Uh, Wes Morgan as my centre, as, as my blocker, the one bang in the middle uh, from the Billy era. And Scott McKenna on the left. So you've got a good a, a range of ability there, a good like ball-playing back three, that. Uh, right wing back, I've gone for Spence. I think you know, the kid's phenomenal. He's going to have a great career if he can you know, keep grounded and be a, in a welcoming setup. It'd be, it'd be fantastic. Um so you're going to need a hard-working midfield in the three-four-three. So I've also gone for Sam Masao, race. Um Again, you, know, you need a destroyer in there. And when he was fit, you know, no one's going to enjoy having a 50-50 of Sam Masao. Um, I've got Chris Cohen next to him. You know, work rate and creativity. You can get get forward, you know, get a little run. Love Chris Cohen. I've gone for a bearer at left wing back, which I was initially a bit hesitant about. I was sort of like, oh, you know, is it that good? Is it not? But then he's playing for Europa League club, so he must be doing something right. <laughs> so, repair at left wing back. My front three is, I realize apart from Lolly, we've not really had a lot of good right wingers at the club. I'd say over a lot of that period, even the Billy year, we had like what Paul Anderson, you know, under Hart, it wasn't really clear who played on the right wing that often. So, I've gone for Brennan Johnson as a right, a right winger. Um, on the left, I've got Andy Reid from 2003. And in the middle, I've got Marlon Harewoods. I think you know, if you got if you look at what Cooper's doing with Davis now, 
imagine with a 20 goal striker in Harewood, oh, rip up the league. So yeah, uh, great, shall we? Um, thank you everyone for getting your question submissions in. And uh, we'll have to think of one at the top. That's going to be pretty hard going. Finally, so we come on to predictions for our next three games, which three pretty big games too, before we come uh, talk to you again. So we got Blackpool away. Uh, that is Saturday 12.30 kickoff on Sky. Uh, Coventry at home. Uh, that's a midweek fixture, also on Sky. And then Birmingham at home on Saturday after that, which I don't believe is on TV. So yeah, we won the last three o'clock kickoff that we can probably have um, this season. So we'll start with Eurice. So three pretty big games, really. Uh, so Blackpool first off. The glamour away there this season. Uh, it's finally upon us. The fixture I looked first for when they come out and when I seen it was in April, I was like, Oh, you beauty! But I thought you watched. I thought you watched Sky move it to like a Monday night or something. But they did move it. But thankfully, um, only a couple of hours. So, um, it's it's tough, tough game. I mean, I looked at the table other day, and I think the thirteenth Blackpool. And if you'd have said that, you know, at the start of the season, I think a lot of people would have laughed at you, and they would have probably expected them to be scrapping the likes of the four. Drossed sides at the bottom of this division. Um, so fair play to them. And when they come to, you know, Forest, I thought, you know, we've we've all heard about how apparently good the fans was and all that. And mm. but they were, I thought they just worked really hard. You could just see there wasn't, you know, they've got that little bit of quality with like um, Josh Bowler, um, who played well that day. But you could probably see that the lack. Obviously, they haven't really got the funding of other sides in this league. Yeah. Um, but they made up for that with hard work and they nearly got a result, you know, and just beating 2 1. So it'll be a tough game, Matt. Um, because, because I kind of fancy us to win the two home games, I do think it'll be tight at Blackpool. So I'm going to go for a draw um, and I'm going to go for a 2 2 draw um, for that one. Um, but, you know, like I say, it'll be tough. If we, uh, you know, we know what we're like, if we can play to his capabilities, we can beat anyone, we know that. Mm. Um, Coventry at home, um, I mean, you've got to be, the two home games, you've got to be looking to win both of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking of that Coventry game back on opening day. Oh. Yeah, still kind of game with a bit nightmares, are we? Shut that away. Um, but, I do think we'll beat Coventry. I watched them um, against Derby. Um, they didn't really impress me too much. Mm. Um, they've slipped, kind of slipped away. It was probably not in a false position because of their own merit, but I think most people thought they'd slip away and they have done. And to be fair to Coventry, you know, it's only the second season back at this level, first Definitely. season back at the Rico. Mid-table isn't too bad for them if they get a top-half finish. So, yeah, I'm going to go for that one. I'm going to go 2-1 to Forest, um, And then Birmingham. Um, the only thing that not concerns me, but when we have these three games in a week, usually the last game, we we kind of a bit hit and miss. But it's like a Birmingham, shot, yeah. yeah, I mean, Birmingham, God, they must be on the beach already. Mm. Um, I, I'd, I'd be very disappointed if we didn't beat them. Um, and for that one, you know, I mean, Lyle is Taylor injured for him. I mean, I know he's not going to play, but he's not scored for he's a got few off the games. Boil, he? Like, he gone off the boil? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm going to go three 0 for that one. And if we can get seven points from nine, I think that would be a superb return. Obviously, it'd be lovely to get nine out of nine, but mm. I think seven would be solid and minimum requirement for me. Definitely. I mean, to be fair, even. If- like, even if we lose one and win two, it's still averaging two points a game. So, you know, it's just like, it's just, you know, made the most of those home games, really. Uh, Adam, what about you, mate? What are your, uh, your mystic predictions for these three com- upcoming games? I think Blackpool away is going to be a tricky occasion, as Reece said. I don't know what the, sand, what the condition of their pitch has been like, because the last time I seen it, I'm pretty sure it was really sandy, but that might have been like, <laughs> Do you when it was in the Premier League in 20, 2011 or something. God really? knows. Um, They've got a few decent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they've got a few decent, decent players. I mean, Reese mentioned Josh Bowler, who was heavily linked to. Um, very, very good player. I think he's second in 
dribbling, ball ball carrying dribbles uh, in the league to Johnson. So two two youngsters going at it against against each other in a way. I think like what Reece said, they're a hard kid side under Neil Critchley. I think him, him and Cooper would have been associates at one point, maybe at Liverpool. I'm not sure, but no, I said I think he came in to replace Cooper at Liverpool. Right, okay, but they've got a, they've got a similar like ethos kind of hard work and and what whatnot, and obviously doing well on a on a tighter budget than than what we are and the rest of the league are. But I would like to think our quality might come through in that and we maybe sneak it maybe maybe 2-1 or 1-0 but I'd be interested to see what formation we line up with whether we stick with this four at the back or or uh, the likes of Jonathan Panzo comes in or Mbe So comes in because I do think it benefits us playing from five at the back and Richie Lirea had a good good has had a good international break he's looked really good at left wing back for Canada hmm. um which is which is quite a surprise because you think Alfonso Davis would be playing there unless he's playing left wing, but he looked bright to say he's not right. He looked bright though to say he's not played a lot of football recently. So it's going to be very interesting for this running of who comes into the squad and is is used and utilised because we're going to need them. I think we've got six or seven games this month coming, so yeah. we're going to use, need to use our squad and use it wisely. Um, and they're all hungry for it because everyone that's come on the pitch as a sub has, has done really well. But yeah, I think we'll beat. I think we'll beat Blackpool. I think we'll be two-one. Coventry at home difficult, but if we can make it, make it um, a difficult atmosphere for them, uh, come into the city ground and, and get behind like we have done. We've won a lot of recent games at home. If we keep that form going, then then it's then it's only beneficial to us. I think we'll beat them 2-0, to be honest. I think we'll again we'll, we'll have too much for them. Birmingham, like you say, like Reese said, they'll probably be on the beach with us at Blackpool next week. So yeah. I expect us to beat them as well. And I, I think we'll beat them 3-0. Um I really do. Um I just think it'll be a clean sweep this week. I just think the international breaks come at a good time for us to recharge our batteries, not only as players but as fans as well. Uh, and get ready for the absolute roller coaster of the championship. So, um, bring it on! Yeah, three wins. I'm going for. I'm, I'm confident. Nice, nice. So, prediction time, Lee. Mm. Interesting games, aren't they? It's getting to the uh, difficult pr- period to predict. I think. So, I think there's going to be, as uh, Adam likes to say, twists and turns. Um, <laughs> I actually think we might beat Blackpool. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for a win. I think they're a good side, though. I do think they've uh, had a really good season under uh, Neil Critchley, to be honest. I think it'll be a narrow 2-1 win. I think we might have to come from behind again. I think they'll start quite well. Mm. Um, two home games, got to be looking at six points. Yeah. Will we get them? Possibly. Um, <laughs> feel, it feels awfully optimistic going for nine points. I think we will beat Birmingham. It's Coventry first, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I watched Coventry against Derby and they were absolutely dreadful. Um, but I know what happened when you and Adam made predictions of that sort of nature about <laughs> Huddersfield. Um, it'll be a tough game, so I think that they're getting to the situation now that we were in maybe before the QPR game where they've kind of got to keep winning now. Hmm. And I think we can take advantage of that because they're not going to be able to come and sit and kind of make life difficult for us. I think we'll beat them 2-0, Coventry. Okay. And then Birmingham, I think... They've not got a lot to play for, have they? I'm hoping they turn up like Bristol City did with flip-flops and beach balls on. Um, but I'm not sure they will with Lee Bowie as managers prefer. I think that'll be a really nervy 1-0 win. So I will go for nine points, but I think the Birmingham game will be possibly the trickier of the two home games, even despite their league position. Okay, interesting. Very interesting. I think um, I'm actually also going to go uh, with Adam. I'm going to go three wins as well. So I think Blackpool... It's going to be hard. I think, you know, like we've covered, they're very hard working sides. You know, they've obviously they've shown on their own patch they can, you know, take wins. They didn't they make fun of at home, I think. I think Bowler scored or they drew one or two. You know, they're not, not, it's not going to be hard. It's not going to be an easy game by any means. But I do think that our quality will shine through and we'll, um, yeah, we'll nick that. Oh, I reckon 2 1. We'll nick that 2 1. Um, Coventry, uh, Callum O'Hare is going to score. Because he loves playing against us, he's a very good footballer. Um, so, but I still fancy us to come, come up trumps in that another two-one win. I think, and Birmingham. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can't, 
least, at least we want me to 2-0 win because we should be winning that game. I mean, that, that again, at this stage of the season now, we have nothing to play for. That's a team that you need to be beating to, you know, establish your credentials, really. If you can't beat Birmingham at home, it's sort of like, well... But we'll see. Um, and, yeah, hopefully nine more points will be on the board and Forest will be hopefully in the playoff places by next time we speak to you. Anyway, thank you all for listening once again. Uh, we'll be with you in a fortnight or so. And, yeah, come on your heads. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.